Welcome to the Vision Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and everything happening at Vision, visit us online at visionnwa.com. All right, so take your Bible. I know it's Memorial Day weekend, but man, I'm fired up for this message this morning. Man, I'm so on fire because last week I started a message called God Will Outlast Any Season. And I thought, you know how sometimes you preach a message and you think, God, this is just a one Sunday message. And I didn't even get halfway through it. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to do next week? And he said, part two. So this is part two coming up. So turn in your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And it's okay if kids scream out or run around. We understand. We have kids. We've, we've raised kids. We love kids, man. And kids, we're glad you're in here. You're going to have a good time. Tell your parent, I'm going to have a good time. Yeah. All right. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. Let's read this verse. It says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. How many of you thank God your inward man is being renewed day by day? Verse 17, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us. Say this out loud. What I'm going through is working for me. A far more and exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, for the things which are seen are what? They're temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Last week, we began to talk about that there are peaks and valleys as you walk toward your promised land that you'll experience in your life. You know, and even last week, we talked about, you know, if you look at a key and you hold a key, uh, in, a, in, the, in the position where the teeth are up, you'll see peaks and valleys on the key. But then when you take that key and you put it in the right lock, it will unlock the thing, the, the thing that you need to get into in your life. And so we're excited that God will outlast any season. So whatever peaks and valleys that we experience, what Chris talked about, that he experienced a peak and then he experienced a valley when he found out that he had been furloughed from his, laid off from his job. And this is a valley. And, now, and here God is showing himself faithful through this. And God is unlocking something amazing for you, Chris. So I want to recap just for a moment. We talked last week. We began to talk about understanding the purpose of valley seasons. And so we said that one of those things is greatness is developed off stage. That means in the valley season. See, David, he couldn't uh, slay Goliath in public until he had slayed the lion and the bear in private, right? And so there's things that we slay in private that take us to being able to slay the giants uh, in, in public. And then the next thing that we talked about was that valley seasons are temporary. How many of you are thankful? Oh, thank God. Seasons change. And then we talked about that pain has a purpose. You know, the devil believes in your potential more than you do. Man, that was a powerful statement from last week that the devil believes in your potential more than you do. And so if he does, he's going to try and yank the carpet out from underneath your potential that's in, that God's put inside of you. And so last week I talked a little bit about that and Nicole had started reading a book. I'm going to ask her to join me here on the stage. She has been reading this book and she was sharing a story with me from Sacred Marriage by Gary Thompson. And you shared a story do you have the microphone? Oh, there it is. 
<laughs> and, and I wanted her to share because she shared this piece of the story out of the book that really went right along with what we were talking about uh, when it came from, you know, that pain has pain. a purpose. The book is by Gary Thompson, uh, Thomas, uh, Sacred Marriage, and I really highly recommend it for married and soon-to-be-married uh, individuals in the room. But um, in, in the, it was talking about sacred struggle, and it was talking about sorrow. And when he was studying and talking to me about different things, I was like, wow, listen to this. There was a, a husband and wife, and this was, this was years ago. Some of you may, may, under, may remember the name um, Lindbergh. Uh, Anne and her husband, Charles Lindbergh, Anne was a, a poet and a writer, and she married a man bigger than life. And so she put her talents aside and stopped writing because her, her life became, he was the most famous person in America at the time after his transatlantic flight. Yeah, and so wasn't her, it nonstop from here to Paris or something? It was like Yeah, a, was yeah, something like that. But, but so their whole life was just, they didn't have you know, multiple movie stars back then and multiple stars. It was, it was the infatuation of one at a time. And so their whole life was totally turned around. So she just put her things down. Well, um, the, the story picks up in 1932, uh, their fame took a cruel turn. The Lindbergh's 18 month old child, Charles Lindbergh Jr. was taken from his crib in the Lindbergh's New Jersey home. The kidnappers left a note on the windowsill demanding a ransom in exchange for his safe return. Negotiations lasted for six weeks after a ransom was paid, but the child was not returned. Four excruciating weeks later, ten weeks in all, the ordeal came to a tragic end when the little child's dead body was found discarded in the woods just a few miles from the Lindbergh's home. And, of course, we're talking about the pain and the sorrow that we can't even imagine. Well, this was a parent's worst nightmare, compounded 50 times. Yet, ironically enough, it was this tragedy that released Anne to write again. She had allowed the absurdity of fame to put a part of her inner core to sleep, but something in the magnitude of this tragedy brought new life, like green grass poking up in the aftermath of a devastating forest fire. Anne writes, quote, there are other values I was beginning to learn, more important than discretion or even privacy, Anne writes. As I discovered the following spring in the abyss of tragedy, I needed to return to a deeper resource. I had to write honestly. So I can say perhaps that sorrow also played its part in setting me free. And then the author down here says, if we learn to float in sorrow rather than thrash about like a drowning emotional victim, we might find, as Anne did, that it can be used to set us free. Wow. So what we're saying is not, here's your pen. What we're saying is not so much that God didn't bring that to their life. But what the enemy turn, means for evil, God turns and can use for good. Launched her back into writing again. The next thing that we talked about, we talked about learning to lean on God, that valley opportunities reveals what people lean on. And then we talked about seeing past the pain, the hope. 
I love this statement that, that when we realize that valleys, whether it be people, situations, circumstances, events which cause pain, can be the gymnasium where your faith works out. Man, good word. And so I want to go on uh, this morning with some of the other things that have to do with understanding the purpose of the valley. Okay, so if you're taking notes, the next one is this. No one escapes the development of the valley. No one escapes the development of the valley. If you go to school, before you go on to the next grade, what happens? You have to graduate the grade before, right? We have a few graduates, I think, in here. How many of you graduated? Yeah, yeah, all right, good job, congratulations. So now God is taking you to a new season. Now you're ready for a new season because you had to pass the test from the past season. You remember the Israelites, what did God do when he delivered them from Egypt? The first place he took them was where? Into the wilderness. And when he took them into the wilderness, what was he doing? He said, I'm going to test you there so that you'll know what's in your heart. There was testing that had to happen. Sometimes testing locates people. It tells them right where they're at, right? But every great leader, I don't know a single leader that's at a great level in his life that hasn't had to pass major tests, that hasn't had to walk through pain and circumstances to get to where they are. How do you develop your muscles? You, you can't do it unless there's resistance, right? When you work out in the gym, you know, there's soreness. How many of you were sore after yesterday? I, Lance, Lance told me, he said, you're not going to have to announce or have a stand up who volunteered because everybody can just look around at all the red people. So everybody that's red, we were the ones that were out there passing out groceries. But there was soreness. Why? We found muscles that we didn't realize that we had. I remember you guys really blessed me on my birthday and you blessed me with money to be able to go out and purchase a bicycle. And so I bought one of these really neat bikes, you know. I went down to, went down to Lewis and Clark and bought this bicycle. And on the bicycle though, I, one thing I discovered is on these fancy bicycles, they put these really sleek, annoyingly uncomfortable seats on these, bike or, on these, on these bicycles. And when you get on there, you know, and in fact, I showed Dana who rides, and Chris who ride bikes, you know, on a regular basis. And when she saw my seat for the first time, she goes, oh, you're going to be changing that. You know, so, but, but I noticed that when I got on the bike and I rode it the first time, I was sore, okay? Yeah, sore sitting on the seat. But my head was also sore because I'm not used to wearing a bicycle helmet. And it really kind of gave me a headache. But you know what? After I did it, few times, several times, four or five times, hey, the seat doesn't bother me as much anymore. My, my helmet doesn't bother me as much anymore. Why? Because your body adjusts that resi resistance. That, you know, the resistance from exercising adjusts. You could get to where you tolerate certain weights. And then as body lifters know, or, or guys that work out all the time know, sometimes you have to shock your body. What does that mean? You go to another weight level. Now you can handle more. Man, that's good news. Listen to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12. 2 Timothy 2, verse 12 says this. If we suffer, we also reign with him. Notice that suffering came before reigning. Good word, Pastor Phil. Not what I want to hear, but it's a good word. See, we cannot escape the development of the valley. The greater the testing, the greater 
the potential. The greater the pruning, the greater the fruit. Let me tell you, generosity, we saw amazing fruit yesterday. In, 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 let me see, six years of doing outreach in Louisville, Kentucky, when Nicole and I lived there and we pastored the church there and we were doing outreach every month, we saw a total of 600 salvations in the entire time that we did outreach. We saw 490 yesterday. But let me tell you, when we got there, so we get there to the outreach, you know, and I'm there at 745 or somewhere around there. And, and I show up, and there's already two cars in line, and we're getting things set, and we're getting water put out and getting our command center set up and getting our little sound system speaker set up. And, and I'm organized. I'm making sure all the signs are where they're supposed to be, and nobody took down the tape from the night before because we had to block off entrances and exits, you know, and I'm just making sure everything is fine. Well, then... A lady shows up, and I said, oh, are you here for the grocery giveaway? And she said, no, I'm, I'm with the farmer's market. Oh, we're having a farmer's market? Yeah. Yeah, we normally set up right over there in front of the outdoor stage, you know, and we do a farmer's market. And I said, well, I saw your sign. I wasn't sure if you guys were doing it. And, and I said, well, here, let me call Hunter for you. And so I call Hunter. He's the director of the Jones Center, the, I mean, the, the coordinator for all the events. And so I call him, and, hey, did you know you're, and he said, yeah, I'm on my way right now. I'll, I'll talk to her. Don't worry about it. And so she's, she's trying to tell me, so are, are we still having the farmer's market? And I don't know. But do you see how that threw a kink in our plans because the grocery giveaway was taking the whole parking lot. I had the whole parking lot broke, uh, uh, taped off, and, and nobody was getting in unless they were coming to do the grocery thing. And I thought, uh-oh, this could create a problem. Well, Hunter showed up, and you know he talked with her, and then I saw them go over, and they started to set up for the farmer's market. And I thought, ooh, this could be really create you know, traffic issues and, you know, and so, and I recognize the Jones Center is not our Jones Center. It's a community center. So that means community gets to use, you know, and so I said, well, Lord, you know how to work through this. And, and the next thing I knew, uh, she was leaving with the other car and they were waving at me as they were leaving. And I found out, they said, they decided to just let us have the parking lot and do the grocery giveaway. Man, how many of you know when you walk toward a promise, there's going to be things for you to work through. But if you get all stressed out about it, if you begin to lean on your flesh, if you begin to lean on like Egypt, that reed that is snapped off and pierces the hand, then that's not what we need to be relying on. We need the arm of flesh. We need to rely on God. Look at your neighbor. Say, rely on God. Now, interesting Interesting thing about pruning. I began to think about pruning because, you know, um, vineyards have a specific way that they prune the vines every year. Pruning to a vineyard is major. That's the most important thing to a vineyard is how you prune. And so I've learned a few things about pruning in a, in a vineyard. Interesting thing about the vine is that the fruit is only produced on shoots growing from one-year-old canes. So that means every year, the vine has to get pruned. Has to get pruned. Okay, so God only prunes those he loves. He only chastens those 
He loves. When he brings correction to our life, we shouldn't get mad at him. He, what is he trying to do? He's trying to produce more growth. If you're bearing fruit, he's, in his mind, he's thinking you can bear more fruit, right? And listen to this. Vine dressers can make the harvest sooner by pruning it earlier in the season. They can cause the harvest to come in sooner. Man, thank God for what he's doing. But, but I want to make a couple statements. If the vine is not pruned, it will use its nutrients to grow the vine only. So that means the vine will continue to grow and it will get longer and it will get bigger, but it won't produce fruit. But if you prune it in the right places, and there's a, man, it's so scientific how they prune these vines. But when you prune it, then all the nutrients from the vine go to producing fruit instead of growing a longer branch, growing a longer vine. Man, maybe God's trying to do that in us because God is wanting to make sure that when we get pressed, what gets pressed out tastes good. Or I can say it this way, when you get pressed, is what is coming out, does it taste good? Does it sound good? <laughs> good work, Pastor Phil. Okay, the next one. Understanding the purpose of valley seasons. The next one, the process prepares you for the promise. Let me say this. The farther that you want the arrow to fly, the more tension you have to put on the bow before you release it. Amen? Man. So the church has heard this is interesting. The church has heard a lot about the promise. We hear a lot about the promises of the church. Man, this is available to you. This is available to you. This promise, this promise. I mean, you can have this. We don't have to have this. We can have this. But what we don't hear a lot about is the cost. The cost. How do we inherit the promises? Through faith and patience. And the Bible says this about patience. Let patience have its perfect work. Well, what is the perfect work of patience? That's being patient all the way through. <laughs> That's standing in line. You know, Nicole and I got to stand in line down at Workforce because we, you know, we, we were furloughed back. And so they said, well, you go down to Workforce and stand in line, you know. And so, man, you have to have some patience in that line. Because there are all kinds of different people, and, and there's a line there. Anyway, and so we're letting patience have its perfect work. When we got all the way to the end and got accomplished what we wanted to get accomplished, we let it have its perfect work. Turn over to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to read to you verse 8. Listen to what Paul said about being pressed. In verse 8, he said, we are pressed on every side by troubles. The valley will try to press you. Troubles will try to press you. But listen to what he says. He said, we are pressed, but not crushed. Pressed. That means the good stuff is coming out because you've been pressed. See, God doesn't create evil, but he uses evil to produce good. He turns it for good. You remember what Joseph said? 
to his brothers. In Genesis chapter 50, his brothers have come. He's now ruler, second in command in Egypt. And his brothers come, and they are mortified to find out that their brother is not only alive, but he's in charge of all the land. And, and I mean, that would be a pretty humbling experience, right, if you were one of those brothers. But David said, he said, he said listen, what you meant against me was evil. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. God has a plan. Even though you tried to take advantage of me, even though you tried to do what you did to me, God turned it for good. And he has brought me out of it. And I'm telling you, this coronavirus is trying to press some people. This coronavirus was meant for evil, but God has taken an opportunity that was meant for evil, and he's going to turn it for good in your life. Do you believe it? Man, I sure hope you do. Man, because God's got great plans. But, so let me say this. It may be this. It may be that the very things that are bothering you now are developing the faith that you need to fulfill the purpose that God has for you. Maybe the, that God's trying to teach you some things now that you're going to use later in your life. Wow. But he's asking you to trust him. God is asking you to trust him, his development plan for you. And it may not be the, develop, the kind of development that you want to see in your life. Maybe not what you envisioned that it would be. I'm sure Anne, that was not her vision, that, that she would lose a baby. But man, it turned her back into her gifting, which was riding. Wow. See, I want to make a statement and so pay attention to me here. Too often, people step out too early from where God has them. And then he has to create another path to develop where he wanted to take them originally. I was offered an opportunity. I, it, it's one that sometimes... Uh, if I let it, it could break my heart, but I don't. I don't think about it anymore because it was an opportunity that God had opened up to me and I turned it down because I wanted to do something else. But you know what happened is God then opened another opportunity for me to do the same thing. And I remember one time in prayer, I was feeling the regret of missing that opportunity. And I asked God about it and God said, listen, don't feel bad about missing that opportunity. He said, because I was able to develop in you everything I wanted to develop in you originally when you took the second plan. Man, one thing I love about God is he doesn't have a B plan. He just, he, he redevelops another A plan for your life. Isn't that a blessing? Man, so you're not stuck with B plans. So look at your neighbor say, appreciate the process. <laughs> Come on. Appreciate the process. Now, this is a big one. Understanding the purpose of valley seasons, obscurity is a great gift. If you're taking notes, write that down. Obscurity is a great gift. Some people say, I feel like I'm invisible. Nobody sees what I do. I'm just always on the back end, and, I, and I'm working behind the scenes, and nobody, I never get any recognition for what I do. Let me tell you, there's a great blessing to be able to fly under the radar. 
There's a lot of blessing in that. Nobody sees you coming, for one thing. But think about this. Okay, there's a statistic, Generation Z. This is what, what I just read this last week about Generation Z, is that they are even more obsessed with fame and fortune. Generation Z. Think about this. Uh, the millennials is another stat. They will take 25,000 selfies in their lifetime. 25,000 Selfies, don't, come on, no finger pointing in here, guys. <laughs> no finger pointing. Hey, and this is not new. Even the disciples said, hey, G Lord, who will be greatest in the kingdom of heaven? I mean, even the disciples wanted to know, how can we, became, how can we become famous? How can we be the top dog? And Jesus said, hey, you want to be top? Then you become like a little child. You want to go high, then you get low. As low, let me tell you, I, I saw greatness in our church yesterday as I saw people getting low and serving others. I'm all good. It's all good. Give me a second. It's all good. <laughs> Listen, I read this. This is a powerful statement. Greatness festers in the isolation and frustration of obscurity. Man, when you're behind the scenes, you're not being noticed, but you're being consistent. You're being faithful. You're being loyal. You're sowing good seed. Man, it, you're being prepared for the day that God can trust you with more. It's a graduation thing. It's a gradual thing. I was listening to T.D. Jakes be interviewed, and, and uh, it was by Stephen Furtick. You can watch it on, on uh, YouTube. But one of the questions that he asked, he said, you know, Stephen was saying, you know, T.D. Jakes, it's, it's you know, you, people look at you now, and they think that you've, been, you've always been at this level. And he said, what people don't see is the 10 years that I pastored a church in West Virginia, this small little church, and I never saw more than 100 people. He said, but those were not frustrating times for me. Those, are times, those were times in my life when it, it cemented, it resolved why I'm doing what I'm doing. Man, so don't miss this time of obscurity. Don't, don't, don't allow the frustration of obscurity to cause you to miss out on the greatness that God has for you. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12 says this. Imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Man. You know, one of the things that I was talking with uh, Zach and Becca about that they were telling me is that there's a lot of people that are dealing with restlessness, especially during the pandemic, you know, because you're, you're just, I, I got to do something. I'm tired of sitting around not doing anything. And there's this restlessness that tries to come in. But I'm telling you this, if you'll decide, you know what, God, this is a great opportunity. This is an opportunity for me to seek your face, to hear from heaven, to read your word, to listen to teachings. You know, I mean, you're already caught up on all of your shows, okay? I mean, there's nowhere else. No new shows are coming out, you know? But you might as well use this time to your advantage 
Because restlessness is dangerous. It can cause a person to quit too soon. To throw up their arms too soon. You know, and that's not going to be good. You know, it can also cause a person to miss out on the greatness that God has for them. And then the last one. I'm going to go ahead and ask uh, the keyboard to come out or come up. The last one in understanding the purpose in the valley of seasons is for every season. I'm wrong. This is next to the last, but we're almost there. Um, For every season, there is a time. For everything in life, there is a time. There is a season. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 talks about that. For everything, there is a season, a time for everything and a purpose under heaven. Let me tell you, the time came in Joseph's life where he was promoted to second in charge. And for every anointing, there is an appointing. For every valley, there is a victory. Maybe you've been walking through the valley and you're going, man, when am I going to see the victory in my life? I'm telling you, hold on. Hang on. Ephesians 3, or verse 6, or chapter 6, verse 13 and 14 says, having done all to stand, what do you continue to do? Stand. Don't give up. Stay on it. Just because the time is not right now does not mean that God is saying no. There's a timing. Man, sometimes we think we're ready. Sometimes we even know we're ready. But God knows better. How many of you think God is smarter than you? Oh, good. Most hands. Okay, good. (laughs) So that's encouraging. Because he is. I'm here to tell you. If you don't know already, man, that was a great revelation for me when I learned God is smarter than I am. So that means he knows when it's the right time to promote you. See, this church happened. I, I didn't ask for Vision Church. We didn't come to Northwest Arkansas with the vision to start Vision Church. We didn't. We were, we were coming for another reason. But you know what God did? Man, he opened the door. Boom. All of a sudden, here we are pastoring a church. And I, you know, you go back and you read books about how you start churches, and we did it completely the wrong way. I don't recommend that you do it the way we did it. But it's so much better when God does it, when he puts it together. And I've been so impressed because we've lacked nothing. God has just caused it to just progressively begin to grow little by little, little by little. And, you know, and you may be new here. This may be your first time in here and you may be going, man, you know, is it always this size? Listen, it's like every other church. There's this rotation thing that happens. These people are here this week, then these people come the next. I mean, it's like, so don't, you know, it happens. This is a, it doesn't, don't let it bother you. Because I'm telling you, you'll come, you'll come another week or another week after that, and this whole place will be packed out. I can't explain the dynamic. I can try to explain the dynamics of, of church. It, nobody can. If somebody could, they'd be a millionaire. They can't. But that's why I don't put my faith in whether or not a seat is full on Sunday. You can't let it bother you. Man, you got to know why you're doing what you're doing. And it's the same way with your life. If you're walking towards something that God has put in your heart and you see an empty seat in the audience of where you think something should be full in your life, don't allow the frustration of that, the valley of that, 
to kick you off of the tracks, derail the train. Man, stay in faith. Having done all to stand, stand. Man, thank you, God. And then the last one. This is officially the last one, okay? How to handle the valley determines your promotion. How you handle your valley determines your promotion. So I have a question for you. Is the valley developing you or is it destroying you? Man, promotion comes when we pass the test. So real quickly, 10 reasons why we embrace the season. You're not going to be able to write these down because I'm going to go through them fast because we're done. (laughs) This is the end. I'm coming in for the landing. Come on, put your seatbelts on. You guys ready? 10 reasons to embrace the valley seasons. One, the plans and purposes of God are hidden in the valley. God hides them in there because the enemy can't steal them. The enemy's not willing to pay the price that you are, pay the cost for the promotion in your life. Number two, this is where God becomes your complete source. Man. Number three, this is where we learn to follow him, the cloud by day, the fire by night. Number four, this is a place where the heart is purified and refined by fire. Number five, this is where we learn, learn submission to God through man. Let me make this statement. The way you serve a man or woman here on earth is the way you serve God. Some people try to separate the two. No, the way that you serve in this area, the way you honor in this way, the way you submit in this area is the way you submit to God. Yeah, I know it's not a popular subject, but I'm going to keep going. Number six, this is where he cuts away the flesh and reveals the spirit. It's the circumcision of the heart in the valley seasons. Man. Number seven, your valley is preparing you. Number eight, your valley is strengthening your faith. Number nine, your valley is cementing your resolve. If you can be shaken off of it, you don't really believe it. You're not really committed to it. This is why I'm way against a prenuptial agreement if you're getting married. You've already got your foot out the back door. You're not planning to stick in this thing. You're not fully committed to it. And then number 10, your valley is what gives you vision for life. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search Vision Church. If you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give.